0: Hello and welcome back to The Poetry Exchange. It's really exciting to be bringing you this new mini-series of episodes that we're going to be producing and bringing to you over the next few weeks and months. Our aim is to publish one episode every month or so over the next few months, taking us into the new year with some new conversations about poems as friends. Regular listeners will be aware that there's been a bit of a gap since our last episode – There's been a lot going on. We've been thinking about the project and exploring the possibilities for the future. Uh, But most importantly of all, we've been gathering more conversations about poems as friends. We're always looking to find unusual places where we can have the exchange itself, somewhere that's atmospheric and allows a different kind of conversation. This week's conversation was recorded in the John Rylands Library in Manchester, it's an extraordinary building, a Victorian building, very ornate, lots of nooks and crannies and full of history, and it's also where Carol Ann Duffy chose to receive her laureateship. If you're new to listening, just to let you know, what you'll be hearing is an edited version of the conversation with our visitor about the poem that's been a friend to them, and then the gift recording of the poem that we created in response to their thoughts and feelings about the poem. This week's featured poem is On Children by Khalil Gibran, the poem that's been a friend to Hafsar. So, Hafsar, have you brought a friend with you? I have, oh, brought a friend with me.
1: Great.
2: Would you mind reading it out loud yeah. for us it's so, it's so yeah. we can kind of hear it?
1: On Children. Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you, and though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you. For life goes not backwards, nor tarries with yesterday. You are the bows from which your children as living arrows are sent forth. The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness, for even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable."
2: Thanks, great, brilliant reading. When did you come across this?
1: I think I came across this uh, probably a couple of years back um, because my range of poetry that I like has just been so wide. but for this, I think I started looking at more of the East towards, you know, poetry that w- I would connect with. So I was looking a lot at Rumi, who was around in the 13th century. Then I was looking at um Shah, who was a Punjabi poet, and he was around between the 16th and 17th. So for me, when I came across this, I think it came at a time where I've got five children. And, um, I mean, the youngest is eight, the oldest is 21. And now I think I'm in a transitional phase where that last part of this poem really hits home that you know we can fall into as parents you know one of these people that children turn into possessions but for me this really reminds me not not only about faith but also about the fact that you know your children are not your own you know you can guide them as much as you want but ultimately they are their own person So there was, for me, there was a lot of wisdom in this and sometimes I anchor myself with this poem Mm -hmm. because it's quite hard for me to let go maybe of my children now because suddenly they're off to uni and you know, they're doing their own thing and I really don't want them to leave. (laughs) If I could keep them, I'd keep them forever. But this poem reminds me actually that you can't do that.
0: You said uh, when you were thinking about this idea of poem as friend Mm. you were looking more to poems from the east
1: yeah i I went back to study after i'd had my children Uh so i went back and did um, english lit and criminology and one of the modules was poetry in that and so we covered all of the english literary canon but for me i think after i left uni i felt there was something more that i needed Mm. and i think more so because of my spirituality and my faith you know as being a muslim so i think um I started looking a bit more further, further afar and came across a lot of Eastern poets that were part of my heritage. And um, it just made me want to explore. So that's where this came from, this exploration of, you know, not just the writing itself, but that spirituality, that spiritual path as well.
2: So have you finished your master's?
1: I finished, yes, I have finished. I finished last year. Don't ask me anything about it because <laughs> I just left it all out at University <laughs> well of um, I was so glad to finish it. And I did something quite contemporary. I was looking at um, Arab literature coming out of the, um, the Syrian revolution now, which is still ongoing, so it was all very new. That's what I was looking at. So this was... Uh, when, I, when I go towards the poetry, that's just a lot softer on my heart and my head. So I've suspend, been spending a lot of this year just um, reading for pleasure rather than reading for my degree. That has
0: felt good, hasn't it? Oh,
1: it feels lovely. But now I always think I don't have enough time and it takes me so much longer to finish a book. But I think that's why reading poetry, I think, is so much easier for me, because I seem to connect with words straight away.
0: I don't know if this ever happens to you, but I have this curious thing where some days I'll, I'll go to a page, a poem, and I'll think I'll have the, I'll have the disconnect, and I'll think, I, I don't, you know, it's not happening. Yeah. And, and then I'll pick the same book up mm. some other time, a, a few months later, yeah. and suddenly it's like, it's speaking to my soul, like, you know, it's a... Cu- Thing, that. A
1: friend of mine actually gave me the, the book, The Prophet, which is what this is from. She gave it to me, I think, about a good five years ago, and I never opened it. I just didn't connect with it at all. Mm. But two years ago, when I was going through this turmoil, realising, oh my God, my kids are actually going to grow up and leave, um, I felt like I needed comfort. So when I reread this poem, that last part of it just gave me a lot of comfort.
2: Is it that, that, um, that this actually helped you to recognise what was going on for you?
1: Yeah. I think that overprotectiveness that we have with children, I knew that that's what most parents suffer from. But it's finding that balance between guiding them and controlling them. (laughs) Mm. And I realized this actually helped me to let go.
2: I'm really interested in this line, let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness. For even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable. Mm.
1: And I suppose it makes you understand how important your own role is in that. Mm. You know, the fact that the whole poem is ended on that stability of the bow. But even as it's stable, the fact that it can bend in the archer's hand, you know, there's a lot to be said about that. Being rigid in one thing is not always the best way to do it. You should bend with gladness, you know, and have that mm. faith that there's something cupping you and holding you.
2: Yeah. And a strength in the flexibility. the flexibility. Yeah, that's right. You know, the rigidness is sort of can be brittle yeah. and actually easily well, broken. Well, we've seen
1: that over time so much. I mean, I come from a culture that can be quite brittle. You know, and it's, it's only through the bending that you realise actually so much more can be achieved. Mm-hmm. I suppose it gives me purpose. You know, it reminds me of purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: that ultimately that stability is so important. You know, for them as well, for these arrows. Mm-hmm. But that in, even that you have that fear, there should be comfort in the fact that there is ultimately the archer's hand that is providing stability for you, mm. yes. you know, being the bow. Mm. Mm.
2: I love the idea, um, life go, for life goes not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. It says somewhere about, um, about the, there's something about the future.
1: Yeah, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow.
2: For their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, visit yeah. not even in your dreams. Yeah. I think for me, when I read
1: that, um, I was thinking of something that's beyond this world, you know, know. because um, in our faith, you know, we do believe that, um, you know, before the beginning of creation, all the souls were created together first, and they were in a place where they all lived with each other, so now when we come and we meet with people that we connect with, they're actually people that you knew, not in this life, but so many millions of years ago before God created the world so for me when we talk about the souls and the house of tomorrow when I read that I thought that that's going to be the regathering of everybody again you know beyond this world Uh see and that place is called Ahlame Arwa I've wrote about it in some poems and I can relate to that there's been many times where I've gone somewhere and suddenly I'll just click with somebody where you know we've got this this connection that I can't explain and I do feel like I've met you I feel like I've met you I've known you forever so that's you know, it's interesting the way that you know our, our experiences and the way where we come from, you know, interpret poems in a totally different yeah. way. We can all get the universal essence of it, but the way that we interpret it will be so different. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I love the phrase you use, the regathering. Yeah. And did you say you've written about that?
1: The poem was about this connection that we have before the crescents and the crosses and the Siths and all these other symbols came into it, the connection that we had just as people, just as human beings. And so I was mentioning this. This place, whether somebody believes in that or not, mm-hmm. just the concept of us having some sort of connection, just as being as a human race, I mm-hmm. think is just um, a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. I think there's too much emphasis sometimes on differences, you know, and uh, we forget that actually we're, we're all the same underneath it all. We're all the same. Mm-hmm. I think it's just lovely to remind people of that because we live in a world that just bombards us with so many negativities and fear and scaremongering, especially for me as muslim in the political climate at the moment you know there i feel it's very very important to have that connection you know and to and to celebrate that connection
0: i just want to ask about the feeling of um the comfort of this poem when it came Mm -hmm. and you your children are not your own and your recognition of well well the 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 comfort of this then was there any preamble to that moment of turmoil i
1: think if i had my finger on it I've I probably we do a lot of things as a family and we're very connected in that way I mean they will go off and do their own thing but one of the things that we do is we eat together you know eating together is one of those times that in the evening where we have this exchange amongst ourselves you know we catch up with each other's lives and things what everyone's doing and I think I felt like I'd coveted them, you know, for so long while they were younger, you know, I dedicated a good few years to them. That at some point when they made it obvious to me that actually I'm not gonna be here tonight because this is what I'm doing. And really that should be something totally simple, you know, it's it's not an issue, it's not a problem. But I felt <laughs> I felt like I was being rejected, which is really silly. And I had to, and that is the kind of thing that would send me in a bit of a turmoil. I would never show it to them, because, you know, you have a bit of respect for yourself. (laughs) And you put this big steely cover on and think, yeah, yeah, but your voice goes very high-pitched. And you go, yeah, yeah, of course, it's okay, of course you can. And really you're thinking, why don't you want to stay? (laughs) Um, So it was little things around then, I think, actually, that, you know, I realised, actually this is where you need to start to let go because they're all their own people and I in my head obviously thought totally disregarding how I was as a teenager because you forget um, I just thought that would come a lot later with them Um, so for me you know these little things started to make me realize that actually I don't know myself I actually don't know myself you know the fact that you know you think that you're very secure in knowing how you react or how you might feel about something. It can take the smallest of things for me to think, actually, why are you feeling so anxious? Why are you feeling so anxious? What is that? What is that? And you have to sift through it. You know, you have to work through it yourself.
0: Quite privileged to understand that journey, is it not as a mother, but having yeah. been part of it as a daughter and,
1: yeah.
0: and not actually having understood it quite as well as I have in this moment, in this conversation oh, with yes. you.
1: Because I think sometimes our relationship with our own parents, you know, I mean, mine was lovely up to a certain point, but after that became quite turbulent. And now I'm understanding what that turbulence was. And, you know, you can look back now and see the flaws of where things might have gone wrong or how my parents should, you know, could have handled things differently and maybe we would have, you know, taken different steps. And it's just trying to create the right ripple effect now. Because whatever, whatever I teach them, they will ultimately carry some of that. They might not be exactly how I want them to be, but they will carry some of that. We're, we're all a product of our em- environment. So for me, it's, it's so important to get that right. And I think that's where all that anxiety was coming from. That how do I handle this, you know, in the right way so that it's not negative for them as they get older because they're seeing me react in a certain way because I saw my parents reacting in a certain way.
0: Mm.
2: I was just wondering if if you connect with this line he says here, you may strive to be like them. Yeah.
1: That's really funny, though, because there's so many things that they do now. And I wish I could do that as well. You know, I really, like, I see them. The world is changing so much, and, you know... Where, when we were growing up, there was different expectations and now, you know, the world is literally their oyster, you know, so many things are accessible now, you know, at fingertips and everything's really fast and you can go that much further now. You know, that's the part where that I would think to myself, you know, you strive to be like them. I wish I would had that gutsiness or that access to be able to do it.
2: I'm, I'm wondering, it sort of, that's led me on to think um, what it is you would like to strive for for yourself.
1: I think that gets lost a lot. I don't actually... mm. Do I know? I do know, probably. But it's the most simplest of things, is to not keep striving for the next bit of happiness that you think lies beyond this and this and this. It's to be stable in a position where I'm happy in my own skin. So it's the tiniest little pleasures of being in good company you know, and having good food you know and reading good books and having stimulating conversations and that kind of happiness
0: i just uh, noticed that you used the word stable yeah oh she's the last word
1: yeah yeah
0: you know that
1: sort of stillness and yes somebody said that to me actually they were saying to me that you know you do so many things but really you just need to be still and i never understood what that meant until my life got so busy Mm -hmm. And I actually have found such comfort in just being still. You hear so much more, you know, and you think so much more, you feel so much more. And I think it's being still without the chaos, without the anxiety, without the phones, without the pages being open, without, you know, one eye on here and, you know, that's not stable. No. No. Stable is to be calm and be still.
0: Just going back to uh, Khalil, it feels like also that the poem and some of the things you're saying also name and deal with in a very beautiful and considered way some things that are maybe slightly taboo yeah you know around your feelings as a parent or Mm. you know that actually I mean we all know this goes on uh the fact that you feel rejected but we all kind of act like yeah you're not sort of supposed to have that
1: kind of yeah. emotional... Yeah, and we act really thick-skinned. You and Pretend that it doesn't affect yeah, us. Yeah, that
0: like it doesn't... You're not really allowed to kind of have that because
1: mm.
0: it's not part of the deal. And...
1: Because there were, that was one thing that I I was thinking when I was reading this, that he does... It's more instruction, isn't it? And maybe that's probably why I felt that I needed that at that point because it it takes you away from the emotion. It's not very emotive poem in that sense but it is very like the words of wisdom come across as instruction and maybe that's what I needed at that point but even in that instruction I do recognise that he tells you what you shouldn't do but not actually what you should (laughs) Hmm. so Hmm. maybe that leaves scope for us to figure that out ourselves.
0: On Children Your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, The archer sees the mark upon the path of the infinite, and he bends you with his might that his arrows may go swift and far. Let your bending in the archer's hand be for gladness, for even as he loves the arrow that flies, so he loves also the bow that is stable. Just really thank you so much. Oh
1: no, it was my pleasure, honestly. It's been such a lovely <laughs> morning. It's, uh,
0: really great to meet you and and to hear about this poem in this way. I'm really, really happy. They're all
2: still living with you right now?
1: Uh, yes. This September is when they the first one I the first might one. lose two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At once. So yeah. Which is fine. I've already yeah. conditioned myself of what to do with their bedrooms and all yeah. the rest of it, yeah. 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 It's all been worked out in here. <laughs>
2: That was myself, Michael Schaefer, and Fiona talking to Hafsar and it was Fiona with the reading. Hafsar is a writer. She's active on the poetry scene in Manchester. We've put the details of her blog on the description page of the podcast so if you'd like to find out more about her work, please go there. We're aware that the podcast is listened to around the world at the last count uh, in 84 countries and so we've been working on some ways in which we can hear back from you And we'll tell you more about that in the next episode. I do hope you've enjoyed the episode. Uh, If you have, please press subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to spread the word. It feels good to be back. Thank you for listening.